America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Welcome back in Clay Travis, Buck Sexton show. You all know that I am a history nerd, unabashed, admit it. Huge Civil War history buff. Uh, I will talk a little bit more by the end of the week, I'm sure. I'm down in Key West, Florida right now. And yesterday, I went to both the Truman Little White House down here in Key West as well as Ernest Hemingway's house. Both were awesome. I'll talk about it later in the week. We've got a lot of news that continues to break. The $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill that is on the line right now that we are chasing after uh, and continuing to update you on. I should mention as well that Sam Bankman-Fried has agreed to waive extradition battles in the Bahamas and will be coming back stateside to face at least eight felony charges in the New York City area relating to the collapse of his crypto fund. But I wanted to also make sure that we didn't avoid discussing this. The January 6th show trial is now officially over. And Corrine Jean-Pierre, this was two days ago, but I saw this even when I was off Monday and Tuesday running around with my family uh, down here in Florida. And I simply could not believe that Corrine Jean-Pierre, who, let's be honest, only has her job because she is a lesbian and because she is a black woman. That is her standing for why Joe Biden selected her as White House spokesperson. She has consistently said some of the dumbest things that have ever been uttered in a White House, she stands out as being particularly incompetent at her job, even in a White House where virtually everyone is awful at what they do. Remember, we've talked about this on the show before. If you just were sitting around and you said, okay, let's draft someone in the Biden administration that we think is pretty good at what they do, it's almost impossible to pull off because not only has Joe Biden been utterly incompetent and the worst president of any of our lives, he's also surrounded himself 
with arguably people who are even worse than he is at their jobs. By which we mean, I mean, think about Kamala Harris. She is he's so bad that even Democrats are like, yeah, we can't elevate her. Joe Biden, worst president of any of our lives, and his vice president is so bad that even Democrats are like, yeah, you know, we, we got to figure out a way not to run her. And they're trying to make sure that Joe Biden can run in 24. So January 6th is done. Corinne Jean-Pierre came on and she said, and I'm not even making this up. I want you to hear it for yourself. She said that January 6th was the worst thing that's happened to the United States since the Civil War. Listen. We've been very clear from the beginning that what we saw on January 6th was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. And uh, the president has been very clear. Our democracy continues and remains under threat. Okay. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War was January 6th. Now, I am a Civil War history nerd. So I could break down all the intricacies of this and why it's patently absurd. I may do it. But let me just point out, Pearl Harbor and 9-11 both happened since the Civil War. I would say that the bombing on Pearl Harbor was a pretty direct attack on American democracy. Also, way worse than January 6th. I would say that many of you, particularly in the New York area, likely had friends and family who died in the 9-11 terror attack. That was a direct attack on American democracy as well. And it doesn't even consider all of the presidents that have been assassinated since Civil War. I would say that the assassination of a United States president or an attempted assassination of a United States president is a direct attack upon our democracy. And it's no great argument to see what they are attempting to do in turning January 6th into something that it's not. Look, January 6th was a riot. I do not believe, regardless of what your politics are, that in the United States of America, we should countenance riots. That's why I said, starting in May of 2020, no matter who they were, if you riot, if you are attacking private uh, buildings, private businesses, public buildings, if you are burning, if you are attacking anyone in any of these cities, as many people did in May, June, July, August, September of 2020, the summer of riots that erupted in the United States, I said prosecute every single one of those individuals to the fullest extent of the law. You know what Democrats did? They raised money to bail out anyone who was arrested for committing an act of violence during that summer of rioting. That's what they did. That happened everywhere, all over this country. Massive, unbelievable amounts of damage. Many of your communities, many of your states, you felt the impact of that. Democrats pretty much pretend it never happened. January 6th, which was a riot, admittedly, but was mostly made up of people who wanted to take pictures of themselves inside the United States Capitol, they are trying to argue was worse than the Civil War. That's what Corinne Jean-Pierre, not worse, the worst thing that's happened since the Civil War in this country. It's such a flagrant absurdity 
that it boggles the mind with that anyone with a functional brain could make that argument, much less make it as the chief spokesperson for the president of the United States in the White House, as Corinne Jean-Pierre did. It's unbelievable. Also, frankly, not very uh, aware of what actually went on in the Civil War, by the way. Because the Civil War, 600,000 people ended up giving their lives in that Civil War. And if you go back and study it, one of the most fascinating legal questions at the time was whether or not, and I know Corinne Jean-Pierre probably hasn't read a history book in her life, but whether or not secession was legal was a legitimate question. Did you know Jefferson Davis was a senator at the time from Mississippi? He was hoping that he was going to be arrested before he left Washington, D.C., because it was his direct belief that secession was legal under the United States Constitution and that the Supreme Court would rule at the time that the southern states had the right to withdraw from the United States. I've told you before, you want to get a great gift. If you have anyone out there that is a history buff, you got a dad or mom who's retiring, and you are at all interested in the Civil War, Shelby Foote's Civil War, a narrative, three volumes, it'll take you a long time to read, one of the best history trilogies that has ever been written, period. It opens, to the best of my recollection, with Jefferson Davis in our nation's capital, in the United States Senate chamber, as he is resigning his Senate seat and leaving because his home state of Mississippi had seceded, he is at that exact moment hoping that he is going to be arrested because he wants to find out whether or not it is constitutional to secede. It's a fascinating question for those of us who are lawyers like me and study legal history. So all of this is really interesting. If you study history, the nuances, the complexities, the different moving parts of history, that's why I majored in history as an undergrad. There's a different world where I I really thought about going out and getting my PhD and teaching history for the rest of my life. I did my undergrad thesis at George Washington University on the Civil War decision of Robert E. Lee not to embrace total war. In other words, not to burn down any uh, Union civilian possessions, northern possessions, during his invasion of Pennsylvania in 1863 that culminated in Gettysburg. Remember, Sherman embraced total war in his march to the sea after he took Atlanta And that helped to end the war by attacking the essence of the southern community. It's what total war basically started. He was going to make Georgia howl. Well, Robert E. Lee said, no, 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 we're not going to do any damage to civilian property. In fact, only one northern town was burned during the Civil War, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. A lot of people don't know that. 
just across the border. May have people listening in Chambersburg right now. I still think this is a really good book project. So I went and looked at the data of how Chambersburg, Pennsylvania voted in 1860 when Abraham Lincoln was elected. And then I compared it, how they voted in 1864 after that city burned down. Because there was a big debate. If you attacked civilian cities, did that make them more or less likely to support continuing the war? Data reflected, at least in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, that Robert E. Lee might have been wrong, that if the Southern troops had actually burned down a lot of cities in the North, Abraham Lincoln wouldn't have been reelected in 1864. And by the way, for all of you out there who hear, oh, our democracy's in danger and this is the most important election of our lives, do you know we managed to have an election in the middle of the Civil War? And the man that Abraham Lincoln was running against, George Brenton McClellan, formerly the leader of the uh, Northern Army, was a Democrat, by the way. He favored allowing the South, basically, to have its independence. So we had, whether or not we would remain a united nation, on the ballot in 1864. And also, in 1944... We had whether or not we would continue to fight the Nazis on the ballot. 2024 is important. 2020 is important. Every election is important. But we managed to have elections during the Civil War and during World War II. So I think maybe we could push a little bit of a pause button on our democracy is in danger. And certainly the idiocy of Corinne Jean-Pierre saying January 6th is the worst Uh, attack on our democracy since the Civil War is just a flat-out lie, and anyone who embraces it, frankly, is an imbecile who doesn't understand basic American history. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A big part of me thinks that politics is oftentimes just don't do anything stupid, right? Just don't, just be normal. JBN, just be normal. I talk to my kids, hey, just be normal. Uh, Everybody out there who's trying to date a girl, you want advice, just be normal. Don't do stupid stuff, right? Just be normal. There's no director of common sense anymore in American politics. Because if there were, Buck, what would you have said if the Democrats had come to you and they had said, hey, for part of our January 6th memorial, We're thinking about having Lin-Manuel Miranda write a special song, and also we're going to have a candlelit vigil. Wouldn't you say, regardless of what your politics are, you're going to look like complete imbecilic losers if you do that, and you're going to be ridiculed to the high heavens. Common sense is so uncommon in Washington that nobody has that light bulb go off and thinks, are we going to look incredibly stupid when we do this? They're utterly shameless, and I I would just say as well, I I refused to go because it was so expensive and I didn't want to support it. The uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda Hamilton. So I watched it on, I think it was on Netflix or on YouTube. I can't remember. Disney I Plus some of it. put it on, I think. And, right? and, and it's, and it's terrible. So I'm, I'm, I'm here to say, <laughs> and I know you're not like, you're not allowed to say this. It is not good. And ever get There's mad a- at me or whatever. I'm allowed to have whatever opinions I want about art and Hamilton, the Broadway play, is not good. And we want to talk about a mass hysteria with COVID. There was like a mass hysteria about how everyone has to like Hamilton. Everybody, a lot of conservatives is- were saying how good it was. Hamilton was trash. Not worth All right, seeing. So- I didn't. I didn't dislike Hamilton. I'll oh say my this, but gosh, hold on. Travis! No, the the line that you're sharing. Do you watch Succession? Did you see where they had like a a scene in Succession in season three where the guy was like, "What kind of crew is this?" And he was like, "This is the room where you can admit you don't actually like Hamilton," which it which was like a drop dead funny line from season three of Succession. Uh, so I went and saw the Broadway play. But I will say this: Wait, you actually paid to see the Broadway play? I went solo. I went solo and sat like in the Abraham Lincoln box. I wanted to see it. I hadn't seen it before. I was in New York. I was by myself doing something for work. Are there pro Hamilton tweets, Travis? If we go no, back, I, I don't think. But no, the tweet that I sent afterwards, which immediately struck me, was I. I thought to myself, what if they did a musical version of Barack Obama's uh, 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 presidency, and they had white people playing the role of uh, Michelle or Barack Obama? What would the reaction be? I mean, it would, obviously that would never happen. They never would burn. A years. They would burn down the Broadway stage, right? So I'm fine. Whatever race people want to play, but that was the funniest thing to me. Was I was watching it. My first thought was, what if they did a country and western version of the Barack yeah. Obama presidency, and like Faith Hill played Michelle Obama, and Barack Obama was played by I don't know Blake Shelton. 
people would look like can you just imagine yeah, of course like that the idea is so funny but i'm just, and obsessed, I'm just like, still stuck on that's that. what stood that the, i i did not hate i'm still I, stuck on the hamilton propaganda i like the not, king george the third character i thought he was good. pretty funny i don't know it's just a lot of a lot of bad rapping going on you know and i actually grew up <laughs> listening to a fair amount of hip-hop as a new yorker a lot of bad rapping going i thought i thought i thought hamilton was honestly one of the most I'm trash anti- things i've ever seen here's what Broadway. i will say I am almost 100% anti-musical. I hate musicals. I, I have been, my wife has taken me to musicals for years. Every time they sing, I say, nobody actually sings in my head. I don't say it actually out loud. I like stories. I love movies. I obviously love to read. But as soon as people start to sing... First of all, I can't pay attention. Maybe I've got so wait, some so sort you, of brain issue. So you issue. like Hamilton, but you don't like the great no. classics of Broadway musical I theater? Hate all, I hate, in general, oh. all musicals. Among the musical categories, I was Hamilton was one of the better musicals that I had seen. Welcome back, everybody. Obviously, a lot going on in the political realm right now. People are asking questions about what happened in Georgia and also... Who should be leading the Republican Party in a variety of roles? Well, right now we have House Majority Leader and possible next Speaker of the House, uh, Congressman Kevin McCarthy, on the line with us. And he also has a big announcement, which I want to get to first, about the vaccine mandate in the military. Congressman, appreciate you joining us, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate having the opportunity to be on. So what can you tell us about the status of the vaccine mandate for military service members, as there's a lot of back and forth right now with the NDAA funding authorization, etc. Yes. Now, we've got good news, finally. We, we've watched what this mandate has done. We, we've watched what Fauci has done to our nation, flip-flopping, trying to control. Well, they tried to control our military, too, and what has happened? Some of our very best have been kicked out. The Army is down 5,000 soldiers short because they can't meet their target for recruiting. They keep this mandate in there. Um, We won the election. I know Republicans lost in a lot of places, but in the House, we won the majority. I went down and I saw the president the other week. The NDA, the National Defense Authorization uh, Authorization Act, um, is up for renewal. And you know what happened? I told the president we wouldn't pass it unless we lifted this mandate. Um, I know the Secretary of Defense got mad at me. We had long discussions about this, but we just put the bill forth, and we're going to be able to lift the mandate off this. So no longer will the men and women be forced to take um, this vaccine. Well, that's certainly good news and a a step, uh, Congressman McCarthy, in in the right direction. I have a couple questions about it. First off, I do have to ask, the Secretary of Defense really thinks that the mandate for the vaccine that no one even argues stops the spread or is even useful beyond a perhaps 60-day window at best for for really almost anyone, he still thinks it's a good idea? Is he unable to read the studies, the data? Why would he think that? I, I don't know. You know, we have a number of doctors who serve in Congress. They send them a letter more than a month ago about lifting this giving all the statistics and actually showing that, remember about the age of where where this um, COVID affects. And remember if somebody has had it, the immune system, they're actually stronger in the process. They propose, why don't you have a blood test on everyone, and you see that none of these people have a problem. And you know what we're happening, especially for a number of those members for Congress, 
we're getting some of the best and brightest who want to go to the academies, and then they're being denied. They're being denied because they won't be able to have vaccine. We're, we're seeing people that we have appointed that have gone through and done all the work to graduate and now trying to be denied. We're stopping all that. We're lifting it. The Secretary of Defense, I, I called him about a month ago and told him, we need to lift this. He argued with me. Once I got the president on board, he called me again, trying to tell me, no, he wanted to keep this. And I said, look, we make policy here. I guess you need to talk to the president about having him veto the NDA then, because this is going to be in it. And look, this is just a small thing we're able to get why the Democrats are still in the majority, but this is what's coming on January 3rd. We're going to be able to work on so much more. We're going to be able to bring accountability. Um, I just left Jim Jordan. Now, below, think about him as chairman of judiciary or Jamie Comer and oversight. This is an opportunity for one for us to finally secure our border, get an economy that's strong, uh, but actually have a military that can do their job and stop the wokeism. Can I, can I ask you, uh, Congressman McCarthy, is there anything that you're planning to at least try to do? I know don't have the Senate and don't have the presidency, but the people who have already been separated from the military because of that vaccine mandate I believe, and we've been saying on the show, Clay and I agree vociferously, those individuals should be hired back, given yes. back pay, and no loss of, you know, they should they should get the rank that they would have had had they stayed in currently. This is exactly the discussion I had with the president as well, because the Secretary of Defense kind of fought me on it. I don't have the language I, I want completely, but this is the uniqueness. Win this portion now. We start already in January to make sure all that happens. I've got a lot of assurance about much of that happening. They put a little study language in it. It's not what I wanted, but this is one of the very first things we're working on because these people have been denied. And think of what they were able to do to defend our nation, the work that they did, the effort that they put in. And some of them on a religious basis was kicked out. That is wrong. So we want to reinstate all those that want to go back, and they should be able to go to the rank that they had the right reason to go to. We're speaking to House Majority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy and Congressman. You know, there's a lot of of disappointment, and you're speaking to uh, an audience across the country that really feels that. You did point out that we did win the House, fortunately, not by what we had hoped or should have, in my opinion, but we did win control of the House, which is a step in the right direction. But as we're going into what is already now going to be a clear presidential election cycle with a lot of, and also congressional, uh, with a lot of interesting dynamics at play, there is a dissatisfaction that comes up a lot with, well, what about the people in charge and what about accountability? Um, names that get talked about are Ronna McDaniel at the RNC. I know there's an ongoing now uh, contest to see who will lead the RNC. Mitch McConnell in the Senate and you as House Majority Leader. You are the likeliest still to be Speaker of the House in the next Congress. Why are you the right guy? What do you say to people who have concerns that you haven't fought enough or that even if it's just a there needs to be accountability for underperformance for the GOP writ large? What do you say to those people? You know that's a debate we all should have. So I say, look at everybody based upon their merit. I've been leader for four years. In those four years, we've had two election cycles. In those two election cycles, they haven't been good for Republicans. They've lost seats in the Senate. They've lost seats in governors. They've lost the presidency. But do you know in those two cycles since I've been leader, we've only won seats. When everybody else lost, we won last time. We won this time. Do I want to win more? Yeah. 
Did we have higher Republican vote than Democrat did? Yeah, almost to the same measurement when you take those 107 million people who voted to the same of what it was in 2010, but we've had redistricting. It's more competitive. Did we win five seats on places that the Democrats Biden actually won by more than 10 points. We beat the DCCC chair. That hasn't happened in 42 years. Both cycles we won in California picked up more seats. We won in Oregon. And look from one perspective. If I didn't fight enough, think from this one moment. What did you just find for the vaccine lift that we've been trying to do for more than two years? We just had that happen. Um, so, yeah, I think people should be should be held accountable. I think people should be charged on their merit. If you think someone's better that from winning the majority, laying out the agenda and the commitment to America, working with everybody on the floor, then support that person. But I, I believe you have primaries and you have generals. So I went before the entire conference after the election, won more than 85% of the conference vote. The one thing we cannot have happen here is we are the only line of defense. We are the only ones that have a majority. The one thing I will tell everybody, they do not hand gavels out in small, medium, and large. They just hand one gavel. We have the same majority today that Nancy Pelosi has in the last Congress. And can I ask you, what are you going? We're speaking to House Majority Leader uh, McCarthy right now, everybody. What are you going to do with that majority? What is top of the agenda? I just wanted to give you the floor to make the case to everybody. On the very first day, we're going to repeal the 87,000 IRS agents. We're going to go in and we're going to secure the border. How are we going to do that? I've already invited the president to go join, but we're going to move hearings down to the border to make sure we secure it. The next thing you're going to find is do we're going to make America energy independent, but not just energy independent where we grow our economy, lower our gas price. We want to make other countries dependent upon us. We're going to bring the supply chain back. I'm going to announce tomorrow the creation of the Select Committee on China. We're going to bring the supply chain back from China to America. You're going to see that parents have a say in their kids' education. No longer we're going to watch what's happening that's been going on. We're going to pass the Parents' Bill of rights. And most importantly, you're going to find a government that's held accountable. We can't send one uh, one subpoena out until we get this done. But if you watched the other day, I laid out very clearly, if you want to secure the border, we've got to start with the Secretary of Homeland. If my orcas does not resign before January 3rd, we're going to start hearings and investigate what has gone on. There is no way he can look Americans in the eye and tell us that's secure. He is lying to us. And we will start that process on the very first day. Well, Congressman McCarthy and possibly Speaker McCarthy soon, uh, we hope you'll come back, talk to us again, and really lay out how that agenda is unrolled and how it's going in the new year because we really need some wins and if we're going to get them at the national level it's got to come from the house and if you're in leadership we're going to we're going to need you to do your absolute best sir we really appreciate you making the time coming on the show today and, and talking to us well, i appreciate you greatly look forward to coming back oh, and, uh, yeah and i have to say congratulations on the vaccine mandate because that is <laughs> that is a big win and we really down, do appreciate down, down. that that's just the first win wait till we get sworn in it's all going to start to change excellent Kevin McCarthy, everybody. Kevin, thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate you. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. 
And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are joined now by Patrick Corelci. He's the co-host of Red Pilled America podcast on iHeart. It discusses being conservative in Hollywood, California. Yes, they do exist. Appreciate you joining us. I'm actually kind of fascinated because the Emmys came out yesterday, and Buck and I talk a lot about television shows. We watch a lot of different uh, of different telecasts out there. The most popular show in America is Yellowstone. It continues to get snubbed by Emmy voters. How much attention is this getting in L.A.? Do people in L.A. even realize how popular this show is across the nation? Uh, thanks for having me, Clay. Yeah, I think they do realize it. I mean, it... it Yellowstone basically kept Paramount Plus, the streaming service, alive. They were actually even considering getting rid of the streaming service or, you know, transitioning it to another uh, name. And they kept that uh, brand alive. So, you know, I think ultimately they ran into some some headwind because Sam Elliott from 1883, which was a prequel to Yellowstone – um, he said some things about a, a movie that had gay cowboys in it, and they got slammed that for that. And, and I think just in general, there's a lot of messages within it that are pure red state messages that Hollywood and Hollywood peers, because that's who votes on the Emmys, can't stand. And so they do not want to give, you know, put any air and, and, and wind to their wings. Uh, hey, Patrick, it's Buck. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Uh, the wokeness that we see in programming... Uh, where I mean, we we know that Disney, for example, got a lot of attention recently because the I think it was the chief of Disney creative 
uh, was was on this video, this internal video stream talking about the need for uh, more pansexual and uh, I can't even remember all the different designations, but essentially trans and 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 different characters of the LGBTQIA plus categorization. Is this uh, in, in places like Amazon, Netflix, which are producing Hulu, producing so many of the shows now that people are watching day in and day out? Are they, you know, are they woke from the top down? Are they just scared of the 25-year-old employees that are going to say that there's not enough pansexual characters? Like, wh- where is the push for all this coming from? Or is it just, just the whole organization top to bottom? Thanks for asking that question, Buck, because, you know, I, I, me and my wife, Adriana Cortez, she's the co-host of, of Red Pilled America with me. We spent about 10 years in the belly of the beast in Hollywood, not just working with Hollywood. We, we worked in Hollywood for about 20 years, but in the belly of the beast, meaning that we were at this prestigious Hollywood school where all of the studio heads were, all of the big actors were. And we saw this trans movement happening at a, at a long time ago, 2012. Or so they were kind of, you know, accepting of kids that were just tomboys, that you know, and accepting of them being trans and kind of almost pushing for it. It became it almost became an accessory on school campus, and so I believe that a lot of it is coming from. There's this kind of secret club that no people don't know about in Hollywood, and it happens to be at these private schools that are heavily, heavily leftist. And they are the ones that are kind of setting the, the, the pace because all of these people have to kind of abide by uh, th- this kind of thought process or they get kicked out of the club. And it's a huge area where, pe- where Hollywood people network and, and get jobs. We've seen people that were no names at the time end up meeting people within this school and end up rising amongst Hollywood. So I think a lot of it comes from just kind of these the, these leftist educational systems that these uh, actors and, and, and the studio heads have to go through, and they realize that this is an elimination filter. This LGBTQ uh, you know, terminology, the pronouns, the, the, these are all elimination filters, and if you don't buy into it, I mean, a perfect example is Macy Gray. You see this, you see people... Um, that don't believe in this, she obviously does not believe that men are women. Um, but she had to basically, you know, kowtow because she probably got a call from her agent. She probably got a call from her management. And it just bleeds throughout the entire industry. And it scares people. I think people are more afraid uh, than, they, than they actually believe in these things. Yeah, it's an interesting question uh, that that certainly is debated a lot in the entertainment space. One thing kind of building off of this transgender community and the uh, ability of them to fight what is and what is not said, Dave Chappelle's been in their targets for a while. He got a couple of Emmy nominations, however, for his comedy special, which continued to take aim at the transgender universe what was the response in Hollywood there to those nominations? And what does the fact that he got a couple of nominations at all say about maybe secret opinions in Hollywood? You're exactly right. So it's voted on by his peers uh, within that category. And they were fine with uh, his special and the messages that he, he put out there. Uh, but the headlines in the, in the media, in the Hollywood and entertainment media, was that he got this award nomination despite his transgender or anti-trans jokes is how they labeled it. So, I mean, it, it, that's another filter 
that so many people in Hollywood have to deal with is are the media critics, are the entertainment reporters, are the entertainment journalists. Very far left. We see it in Rotten Tomatoes. You see a movie that we all love uh, on the right get panned by uh, you know the the critics community. Yet you know the the standard popcorn eating you know moviegoer is fine with these movies, and they end up giving them like ninety, ninety five, ninety nine percent sometimes. So it's just this constant, you know, push. Patrick Corelci, co-host of the Red Pill America podcast on iHeart. He's a conservative in Hollywood. Go check out Red Pill America. Patrick, thanks for being with us, man. Thanks for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.